Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Downtown Master Plan Steering Committee meeting. My name is Amy Miller. I'm the Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I'm going to start by a roll call vote of the steering committee members because we are in the virtual setting. That is a requirement. Um, please, when I call your name, unmute yourself and say here or present. Um, we'll get started. Brady Flannery. Present. Clint Pio? Uh Paul, it's pronounced Paul, present. Thank you. Dalton Paley. Present. Daniel Poole. I do not see him as present. Edith Duffy. Present. Emily Peterson. Present. Aaron Payton. I don't see. Her. I do not see her either. Matt Beach. Present. Meredith Moore. Present. Kimberly Anspach. Anspach, present. Very close, though. Thank you. Nick Kuzniak. I do not see Nick. Sally Zagrai. Present. Sarah Hill Nelson. Present. Steve Clark. Present. Steve Kelly. Here. Ted Boyle. I do not see Ted. Pam Blackburn. Present. And Tom Burt. Don't see Tom either. We do have a quorum. Uh, the next steps is I'm gonna hand the microphone, so to speak, over to Kyle, and he's gonna read through some meeting procedures. Thank you very much, Amy. My name's Kyle Kobe, and I'll be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting. Sorry. Uh, joining me here in the Ad Astra conference room is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. We'll work, we'll, we will work to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Currently, I have everyone muted so we can talk through the general ground rules for tonight's meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You will still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn someone's video off if they are not actively participating to avoid visual distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video back on during the meeting. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker, Gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. You must state your name and title each time you speak. 
Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I'll also ask that members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. When public comments sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located at the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you may dial star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. All motions need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want to again remind everyone to please mute yourself when you're not speaking. Now I'll turn the meeting back over to Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. First, I want to thank you all for being here this afternoon and sticking with us through this process. The consultant, Housefield Levine Associates, is with us this afternoon and will be starting the meeting with a presentation on the draft plan. The consultant also has some information regarding comments and communications that have been received to date, and that is really just some of the ones that we keep hearing a lot through this public process. Your packet has been updated with all of the communications and comments that have been received um, through two o'clock this afternoon. There was a comment that was received after that that will be included in the city commission packet, but it was in reference to the verbal comments that were made during the public meeting regarding the farmer's market. Um, and so hopefully you've all had a chance to at least familiarize yourself with the draft plan and maybe even some of the video and some of the things that were said during the public open house. After that, the steering committee will have a chance to ask the consultant questions, give comments and have a discussion. This is the third and final meeting of the steering committee. And at the end of the meeting, we are looking for the committee to make a recommendation regarding adoption to the city commission. I will now turn it over to Nick Davis, who is with House Hill Levine Associates, and he can start his presentation. Okay, thank you, Amy. All right, let me share my screen. Okay, all right, well, thanks. Everybody can see my screen, I hope. We'll look for some head nods. Yes, all right. Um, so as Amy had said, we're gonna go through a couple different things, but before we jump into it, I just wanted to reintroduce, make sure everybody knows. My name is Nick Davis. I'm a, a project manager for the downtown plan. And then with me is Jackie Wells, who has served as the lead planner um, on the downtown plan through this project. <laughs> So as Amy had mentioned, there's a couple of things we're gonna go through today. Um, certainly wanna hear from the group and get your feedback, both on the draft plan as it stands now, as well as comments that we've received um, over the last few weeks since it's been published and, and at the open house. Um, but before we do that, we wanna go just over an overview of the planning process. We also wanna do a review of the draft downtown plan itself. Um, again, it's not the entire document, it's some of the, the highlights some key sections, um, certainly open to coming back and, and diving into any detailed section that we want to. Um, there's a brief overview of the public comments, not all of the comments received. Uh, as, he, as Amy had said, this, this will be more of where we've heard multiple people saying this or we're getting conflicting feedback just based on what um, you know, people want to see or don't want to see uh, as well as uh, just some of the comments that we feel could be, could be made 
or, or revised inside the plan. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. We also want to go over next steps. And then the last part is just those, the questions, the comments from, from the steering committee. Um, as a reminder, there's a couple different ways to participate. I know this went out in, in some of the documentation that you received up to this point, as well as it's on the project website. Um, but today, as we're going through this, please feel free if you have a question or a comment to uh, send it to the entire group as part of the group chat. Um, I would encourage you to do it as a group chat and not a direct link. That way we can, we can all see what everybody's saying. Um, also, there's an opportunity to fill out a survey. So if you go to the um, downtown Lawrence plans uh, project website under documents there's a, a link to the survey and that's just tied directly to the draft plan so if there's a specific uh, page or a, a specific policy that you have a comment on please feel free to um, add your comment there too maybe you don't get it out today or you, you hadn't really thought about it that's a great way to send it to us it's also a link that you can send out to anybody who wants to participate or has comments um, so if you want to jot that down or we can add it into this chat um, as we're going along. And then also, of course, you can always send an email directly to the city to, to this email address. Um, I know you all have a line into the city or you know, you're able to send an email, but if there's anybody else who feels like they didn't have an opportunity to voice their concern, these are the two um, uh, better ways to get us their comments. So about the planning process, just a recap uh, of you know why we do this, why we do a downtown plan, why specifically we did a downtown plan in Lawrence um, and what that process looked like. Uh, it's important to engage the community to identify its desires, its needs, its aspirations. Um, we wanna make sure that when we're, when we're preparing this plan, we're assessing the existing issues and opportunities, which was a big part of the existing conditions report that we prepared um, earlier in the planning process. And then from that, just recognizing what existing successful um, aspects of a downtown are and how you incorporate that innovative and creative initiative that could be um, a big part of the different recommendations in the plan. And then just creating a guide for future capital projects um, to support grant applications and to direct development activity. And then the plan can also help just ensure the realization of the vision and the goals and the policies um, through the implementation plan. So the implementation plan is the last chapter of this document. And when we get into that, there, there are some components in there that are, are vital to seeing this plan fully realized. Uh, the planning process, um, from the beginning, this project was broken down into seven steps. Uh, there was a project initiation, we did community outreach. Um, it was a big push at the beginning with community outreach, but then even throughout the rest of the project, there were a couple of different community engagements. Um, task three was a market and demographic analysis and task four rolled up that market and dem uh, demographic analysis into the existing conditions uh, report that we had prepared. From there, we were moving into task five, where we developed a vision statement and the guiding principles that supported that vision statement. And then from there, we moved into the draft downtown master plan, so task six, um, which is the development of the overall plan using the vision statement and guiding principles uh, as, as kind of our, our takeaway or our lead. Uh, and then the last task is the final downtown plan and implementation. So as it's identified in the downtown plan, there were quite a few different community engagements, both in person and digital. Um, off to the left, you can even see we talk about the role of the downtown plan steering committee, uh, you know, how we'd participated with this group, how we'll be participating in the future, which is this meeting. Um, but then also just the, the other community-wide events that were conducted. We do the community workshop, business workshop, um, downtown and adjacent neighborhoods workshop. Uh, we had conducted focus groups and prepared DIY kits. 
Um, there was also a visioning workshop. So once we had moved away from the existing conditions component of the project and actually started to move into the plan making phase, there was a visioning workshop held uh, where people were making maps, such as the maps that are, are up at the top of the right page here. And then even during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, there were some challenges, but even during the, the pandemic itself, there were uh, you know, how has COVID-19 impacted the downtown? There were a couple of different sessions. There was also a Lawrence Listen survey. All of the feedback that was received through that process was also incorporated into this plan. Uh, there was also online participation through a project website and community questionnaires. Um, we also use a tool called map.social, which is what's on the right, just allowed people to drop points um, or draw in areas that they would like to see potentially redeveloped or areas of focus. Um, and that tool was used to help us map some of the recommendations found in the plan. We had prepared a, a visual preference survey. Uh, we had over, I think we had just uh, just over 250 participants fill out the, the visual preference survey. Um, from that, we were able to get a better sense of the types of buildings or the types of character or the landscape or the parking that, um, you know, residents and business owners were, were looking to see in the downtown. So we sort of used this to draw from some of our concepts as we were starting to prepare some of the plans recommendations. Um, I know we had talked about this in some detail, the vision statement. I'm going to hand this over to Jackie. She's going to walk us through the vision statement, how it was prepared, and then uh, what's in this plan. Oh, Jackie. Um, so the vision statement uh, was created after the existing conditions report, um, so really was building off of a lot of the uh, community outreach uh, that we heard right at the beginning of the process. So it's an aspirational statement, uh, communicates where the community wants to go um, with the downtown in the next 10 to 20 years, and um, it also builds off of those issues and opportunities identified in the existing conditions memo. So we don't want to go through the vision statement as a whole. It's a pretty long uh, statement. It spreads uh, two pages, but we wanted to focus on some of these highlights. These are um, pull quotes from the vision statement. Um, so on this slide, we're really focusing on preserving um, and building off of the elements that make the downtown unique and beloved um, by all of the residents in Lawrence but still adapting to changing conditions. Uh, the vision statement also sees downtown as a more livable place uh, with additional uses that serve residents and daily shopping and service needs. vision statement also imagines downtown as better connected with surrounding neighborhoods with more responsive development uh, that considers its impacts on adjacent homes. It focuses on better leveraging the riverfront through new recreation opportunities and envisions downtown as more inclusive and e equitable um, with uh, support for minority business owners and reinvestment into historic structures. And then finally, the vision statement imagines downtown with an enhanced public realm uh, through additional public art, new outdoor gathering and event spaces and streetscape improvements. And then I think the very final sentence of the vision statement summarizes the intent of the plan as a whole and envisions that throughout its evolution, downtown has retained the characteristics that make it special while continuing to remain relevant, reaffirming its sense of identity as uniquely Lawrence. So based off of that vision statement, a set of guiding principles were developed. So the guiding principles describe desired end situations uh, toward which the plan's policies and recommendations are directed. They're broad and they're long range and they represent an end to be sought. Um, it's important to keep in mind though that they may never actually be fully attained, uh, but they are that driver, um, that thing that motivates uh, the planned implementation. 
So now we'll get into the first section of the, the plan, the land use and development chapter. So on the screen, we see the land use categories. Um, so they provide a brief description of the varying land use types that are discussed throughout the plan. Um, and that yellow bar down the center discusses how downtown is really envisioned to continue to be a mixed use area. Um, so all of the different land use types uh, that we see on the screen here are envisioned to really be mixed into uh, the same building. So you would have those non-residential uses on the ground floor and residential or office uses above. And then on the very uh, right-hand side of the screen, uh, the housing section discusses housing affordability and recommends that the city continue to utilize the Affordable Housing Advisory Board toolkit that's been developed and the Housing Trust Fund to increase affordable housing options. Uh, that text is also supplemented uh, throughout the plan as affordable housing um, is discussed with more specific recommendations on how the city can incentivize its development. So next, the plan provides a brief overview of existing land use and current zoning, really to provide a foundation uh, for the recommendations and policies included in the rest of the plan. Uh, so building off of those existing conditions, the functional sub areas divide the downtown into 11 distinct areas uh, that all have a unique built form, functionality, and future opportunities. So some of those future opportunities are included here in the opportunity sites. Um, so the opportunity sites are broken down into four uh, distinct types, redevelopment sites, parking lot redevelopment opportunities, catalyst sites, and strategic investments. The opportunity sites are not um, meant to be an exhaustive list of all of the sites that could redevelop downtown. It's really only meant to identify those that are uh, most likely to and then provide direction uh, to the city if redevelopment or new development proposals are brought forward. Uh, so we're not recommending that the city spearhead any of these development or redevelopment opportunities uh, with the exception of the redevelopment of city-owned parking lots if those opportunities um, come forward. Uh, so the recommendations for the city-owned parking lots would ensure that parking uh, will not be lost, um, that adequate public benefit through affordable housing, outdoor gathering and event spaces would be incorporated into those development proposals. And one thing that we heard through our community outreach process once the draft plan uh, was put forward uh, was that the one-story bar redevelopment sites um, or a point of concern. Um, so they expressed that identifying uh, bars like replay for redevelopment might incentivize property owners to raise rents and push out these existing uses. Um, and although this was definitely not the intent of the section, um, as we discuss how the existing uses should remain, uh, we do understand the concern that these folks have and want your input as to whether these uh, sites should remain in the plan. So that's something we would like to discuss with you all further once we get to the Q&A section. So next, the plan discusses how to activate vacant storefronts. Um, and spe the most specific recommendation here is the vacancy fee or tax program. Uh, so we have received a lot of public comment in support of this type of program um, and have been asked to increase the recommended $400 annual fee to something more substantial. And we would also like to get your input um, on that topic as well. Then uh, the plan identifies strategies to incentivize the enhancement of facades uh, through a facade enhancement program and through an update to design guidelines to provide more guidance on the level of facade enhancement that would be required based on the level of reinvestment into a building. The, the last section uh, we want to review with you all for the uh, land use and development chapter of the plan is the historic resources section. Um, so the map on the left hand side of the screen identifies all of the historic resources downtown um, and breaks them down into whether they're um, on the national or state register or on the local register. 
Then we get into a discussion on the city's historic preservation ordinance, uh, which focuses on three strategies to address the issues we heard from the public uh, in the beginning of the process about how the ordinance may impact redevelopment opportunities. Uh, so that first strategy is to revise the standards for review for certificates of appropriateness to be more specific to non-historic properties in the environs of historic properties. The second is to amend the ordinance to allow for the Historic Resources Administrator to approve redevelopment of non-historic properties. And then the last one is to amend the ordinance to eliminate the environs altogether. Um, so we did receive a lot of feedback um, on these strategies, mainly the last one, um, and would definitely like your feedback on that as well. And then I'll pass it back to Nick to go through transportation. All right, thanks, Chucky. Uh, so for the transportation section, we looked at it a couple different aspects. Uh, first, we broke down the uh, downtown area, the downtown planning area by its roadway network. We looked at some of the recent improvements that have already been uh, installed over the last couple of years, the North Lawrence access, also the 6th and Mass Street intersection improvements. Uh, but we also looked at signalized intersections, potential hawk signal sections, mid-block crossings, uh, and then just overall the functionality of the roads. We provided guidance on or recommendations for parking in the downtown, uh, looking at some potential downtown parking option solutions. Also, some of the off-street pay stations, which we know that the city is currently um, working on installing off-street pay stations or off-street um, a downtown parking app as well. We also prepared a map that just identifies the off-street parking uh, walk shed, just gives you a sense for the distance that people have to walk. So that's a two-minute walk shed from any parking lot, um, any off-street parking lot that's in the downtown, both private and public. So I know we, we'd heard through this process that parking was a, a real concern, and for many reasons, parking was a concern. Um, the timing, um, potentially the cost. Uh, you know, if, if someone wanted to park in one location, walk to a place and then wanted to move again. So this this graphic was just helping illustrate that there are several parking opportunities in the downtown and just how those are managed or, or what are important. Um, we also looked at the walking aspects of the pedestrian gaps and sidewalk maintenance aspects in the downtown, um, looking at things like making sure that the sidewalks are comfortable, um, making sure that they're, they're activated, that there are safe routes through the downtown, um, and then tying into neighborhood connections. That was certainly something that we had heard uh, when working with uh, downtown workshop participants, but also from the adjacent neighborhood participants is making sure that there are easy and safe connections to the downtown from the sidewalks. Uh, coordinating with the city, we uh, were sure or made sure to incorporate the most recent version of the Lawrence Loop and what that connection, what that path looks like. Um, there's both existing and planned Lawrence Loop uh, stages that this document wanted to incorporate into it. And then just making sure that we're able to connect down to that from uh, the downtown is something that's very important. And then we also looked at the Vermont Street and Massachusetts Street bridges, um, and we're trying to find ways to repurpose the current infrastructure, um, or if there was something that needed to be like an add-on to the bridge, just to make this a bit more pedestrian and bike friendly. So the first concept, option one, just shows uh, a narrowing of the drive lanes across the bridge so you can increase that multi-use path from six feet to eight feet. And then the second concept uh, would, would really show like a bump out or a, a cantilever approach. So you'd have to extend the uh, actual the actual bridge itself for the pedestrian side to get a 10 foot multi-use path. Uh, community facilities, I'm gonna hand this back to Jackie. She's gonna walk us through this. Thanks, Nick. So the first section of community facilities we want to walk you through is the public spaces. Um, 
So this section identifies the informal public gathering spaces that currently exist in downtown. So places like the pedestrian cut-throughs, uh, the plaza in front of the U.S. Bank building. And we're really encouraging uh, that these types of spaces be preserved and enhanced moving forward. Then we discuss um, homelessness and three strategies to make downtown a more welcoming place for people experiencing homelessness, while at the same time addressing many of the concerns uh, that were brought up by outreach participants. Uh, so our first strategy here is the establishment of solidarity lockers. Um, these lockers would provide people experiencing homelessness with a safe place to store their belongings. Uh, this would help uh, minimize the stigma of homelessness and help uh, to connect people to service providers uh, by a mail slot that would be included in the lockers where service providers could uh, more reliably communicate with the locker users. The second strategy is, is an example that was used in Paris uh, called Le Carillon, where a downtown association established a system of stickers uh, that business owners would display in their shop front window to communicate to people experiencing homelessness about the types of services that they could receive uh, within that business. So uh, maybe it's a telephone or a restroom they could use, a hot drink or meal that they could receive, or just really a climate controlled place to spend time. And then the final strategy is the establishment of a downtown streets team. Uh, so this would be a volunteer organization that would provide work experience for people experiencing homelessness uh, to assist them in finding stable employment. The next we discuss the farmer's market in the Kansas River. Um, so the downtown plan really encourages a permanent event space uh, to host the farmer's market and other uh, you know, outdoor concerts or other events and identifies two possible uh, locations. Uh, the first being as a part of a larger parking lot redevelopment project. Um, and uh, we discuss a, a potential uh, redevelopment opportunity at the 9th and Vermont parking lot. Um, and Constant Park is the other location uh, that's been identified. This section also acknowledges that street closures for parades and block parties are still a desirable um, you know, use of the right of way and that outreach to business owners is needed to help alleviate those concerns uh, that they've expressed um, about the disruption to traffic and really highlight the benefits uh, that these types of events bring to a downtown. So then we discuss the Kansas River and highlight it as one of the most underutilized assets downtown and make several recommendations um, to help better connect downtown with the river. Um, so that includes a switchback ramp at Robinson Park, uh, features that would allow uh, people to utilize the river for boating and fishing, and also better utilizing the Riverfront Plaza boardwalk. I'll pass it back to Nick for urban design. Uh, so in the urban design section, we're working through a couple of different more physical realm improvements. So we're talking about the build form, uh, you know, what's the, how do you create a sense of place with the different building heights, the scale, the location. Uh, so to do that, we first looked at building height. This was something that looking back at the previous plan, uh, the 1981 plan, and then also just through feedback from the community, it became very clear that um, you know, along Mass Street, there are building heights that are appropriate, um, and it maybe steps up when you're on Vermont and New Hampshire. So if you're on New Hampshire, it can step up if you're on the west side of New Hampshire, or it can step up if you're on the east side of Vermont. But then from there, it needs to step back down. It has to transition into these residential areas. So to not incur these much larger buildings on Mass Street, but also not to push those taller buildings directly against the residential area. So you can kind of see how it slightly steps up, but then immediately needs to start stepping down as it transitions into the residential districts. 
uh, for the street wall, just making sure that the street wall is maintained. You have one of the most incredible street walls I've, I've we've ever seen in a, in a downtown. It's consistent. Um, and although there may be varying heights along Mass Street or even along uh, Vermont and New Hampshire, um, it provides a visual interest and it's very much brought up to the street. There's only a few situations where that's not the case. Um, so just make sure that you're maintaining that street wall and then that future developments are consistent with that moving forward. Uh, we provided recommendations about how to improve um, intersections so that they're both um, uh, safe and, and efficient for cars moving through this area, but, but also that pedestrians and cyclists have a safer space to walk through and that there's visual interest incorporated into them. So a change in texture or a change of material uh, that just supports that kind of denoting of a pedestrian is going to be here. So as a driver, it's something that you're just, you're signaled to and you can see it. Um, part of that would be done through the crosswalks. Um, you have several bump outs in the community. That's just something that you would want to continue to install in some of the key intersections in downtown. Um, making sure that they also have pedestrian friendly turning radiuses. You don't want too wide of a radius. You want to keep that a tighter radius. It shortens the distance for pedestrian walking and it also slows cars down. Um, Mid-block crossings you have, just continuing to improve those and maintain those and where appropriate installing more. You have some longer blocks, so you just want to give people an opportunity to safely cross the street. Uh, for the streetscape, we were looking at different zones, different functional areas as um, the streetscape should be improved over time in just a coordinated way. So we identified the mass street, uh, streetscape between 6th and 11th is kind of like the primary uh, streetscape in the downtown in terms of just some of the width and the opportunities and that these other areas along New Hampshire and Vermont, as well as the downtown approach, can use some of the themes from those or from the mass street, um, but they wouldn't be a one for one or don't need to be a copy. Um, you know, you have some challenges with the overall sidewalk widths as well. as just the, the overall right away being slightly different than what's on mass. Uh, we provided just some simple 3D graphics just so you can see what the, the primary streetscape hierarchy recommendations would be for that and what you're trying to um, incorporate into the future streetscape. So along Mass Street, you want to make sure you have um, that distinct streetscape. It'd be the primary pedestrian-oriented street. Um, it could incorporate things like public art, pedestrian wayfinding, uh, pedestrian lighting, um, where New Hampshire and Vermont could pull some of those elements, but just the scale and the nature of the parkway make it a little bit different. The difference between having sawtooth parking and parallel parking, um, you know, sets up a, a different uh, streetscape hierarchy. And then just kind of so forth for each one of these. If it's something we want to come back to, we can if people have questions. Uh, we also talk about public art and potential locations for public art. I mean, one of the best things about this is, um, you know, art can be installed anywhere in the downtown. But I think just giving a, a rhythm or a spacing between um, so people are, are experiencing these uh, opportunities throughout the downtown uh, is something that, you know, we're, we're trying to encourage. It can be something as simple as uh, an installation, a, a sculpture. Um, you know, it could be something like a mural. It could be a more activated space or, or a more activated piece. Um, a lot of different ways to insert public art into your downtown. Um, at a larger scale, there's some public art opportunities. You know, you look at the AT&T Tower or you look at the side of some of the more expansive buildings that have, um, you know, maybe a, a vacant lot adjacent to them. So just utilizing those as public art installations. It could be a map, which is what we've seen in some communities where they're using a like a downtown parking or a downtown circulation map against the wall. Or, you know, it could be something that is something more uh, distinct to the community, but just taking advantage of some of these more prominent structures or these open building faces is something that we encourage. 
we've identified some opportunities for outdoor gathering places. Um, things like outdoor dining in public spaces and pocket parks and plazas have always been important, but certainly in the last year, year and a half, we've seen how important these spaces and how vital they can be to a community's success. So making sure that we have the space for the types of uses that we want um, or the outdoor dining spaces or public spaces that we want, and then making sure that they're programmed throughout the year so that they're beneficial to both the businesses, but also creating these areas where we can gather with one another and uh, see one another. So we identified some uh, existing pocket park and gathering spaces, and then just uh, some additional areas, which are what are in purple, just generally in areas where the downtown is somewhat deficient in those spaces and would be a good place in the future to um, consider adding one of these, these three components. Uh, parklets, certainly another thing that's come up. Um, parklets have been around for you know the last 15, 20 years. Um, they've become very popular, but in the last year, they've um, sort of skyrocketed with the COVID-19 pandemic. And just as an opportunity to take offline a little bit of the on-street parking and repurpose these into uh, outdoor dining or outdoor gathering spaces. And we know the city is, is working with um, you know, the community in the downtown to uh, ultimately have a, a different solution for downtown, whether or not they become permanent features. Those are just the types of uses that, again, we strongly encourage. And there's a couple of different ways to do them. They can be you know, always so different. They can have a more regular rhythm or a look to them. Um, but knowing that parklets are something that uh, could really fit in the angled parking configuration along Mass Street and, and also in some of the adjacent streets are something that we encourage. And then maintaining the cut-throughs, maybe improving them over time. Um, the cut-throughs are, are great. I think they're unique to uh, Lawrence. You don't see those a lot. They're some of the only breaks in the street wall in some areas. Um, but, you know, reconfiguring them, you know, right now you have some really large trees that can be a little bit dark. The lighting in them isn't as attractive as it could be. So just reconfiguring those spaces, um, you know, maybe using some smaller vegetation, some different lighting, opening up the walls a bit um, could make those passes feel just a little bit safer, uh, might be a little bit more usable and then connecting them to a, a safer, well-lit parking lot in the back. Certainly stuff that we had heard. Like those are the types of comments that we were receiving from, um, you know, people who work downtown and at night when they're going out to their car, these are just some darker spaces. So making sure that these kinds of improvements are made in the future, something that we wanted to make sure we were considering in the plan. Uh, the last section, the last chapter of the downtown plan is the implementation chapter. And although this doesn't have as many graphics or visualizations or maps as, as the previous section, this is a really important chapter. Um, it talks about the public communication process, how you need to continue doing this moving forward, make, make sure that you're maintaining this conversation with the community, with the downtown, with the businesses. Um, and although you may not be using the plan every day, it's not a daily use type document, you want to make sure that any kind of decisions or proposals that come through uh, this city, that, that you're reviewing the downtown plan that you make sure that those plans or projects are, are in alignment with the overall vision and the goals um, that we've identified in this document. Uh, a regular review and update is something that we always encourage. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, every five years you just do an update. It can be done in-house. It can be done, you know, as a, as a small planning team in the community, but certainly always going back on this document and making sure that it's current and relevant and doing what it needs to do um, is an important part of any planning project. Um, identifying some of the partnerships. I know some of the comments that we've received over the last um, couple of weeks are, you know, expanding this list and making sure that there are even more people as a part of the partnerships um, that need to be considered. So that's something that, uh, you know, I think it was in your packet. I could see some of those organizations being incorporated into this as well. 
Um, and then just resource prioritization and funding, making sure that you're using the funding sources available um, for the community to see these uh, types of, of projects or improvements installed over the you know, lifespan of this project. Uh, so with that, we're going to go over some brief overviews of the comments that we've received up to this point. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. There are so many comments that we received that are either somewhat similar or, um, you know, maybe are, are very much in a conflicting nature with one another. You know, one person wants to see uh, a building redeveloped and another person absolutely doesn't want to see it redeveloped. That's a big part of what we're hoping to use this group for today to get some, some feedback to better understand what uh, the downtown plan should and, and must say. So with that, just a couple of the comments that we received um, that the post office should stay downtown. I know as part of the catalyst site, uh, one of the catalyst site projects we had recommended that, you know, over time, if the post office was to relocate or if that use um, proved to not be the type of use that needs to be in a downtown, just because of the larger dis uh, distribution uh, nature of that building, that it could be redeveloped. That would be something that we would like to get feedback from this group. Um, that building height should step down when adjacent to neighborhoods. So again, we've heard some say that they'd like to see um, more development along New Hampshire and Vermont. And then, you know, we're hearing from residents or, or those that live close to this area that that's kind of the opposite of what they want to see. Um, so that's the type of feedback we would like to receive. Uh, preserve the single story bars. Jackie mentioned this earlier. Specifically, the replay was brought up um, in our previous or in the open house last week. Um, several people had voiced their concerns about the replay uh, being redeveloped. And, you know, the more we heard uh, from the public and the more that everybody voices like this local institution, it's very important to the music culture in the community. Um, you know, we can, we can see where that's coming from. And that obviously that was not our intent was to, you know, get rid of all these types of uses. So that, that was some good feedback and, and something that I could see incorporating into the revisions of the draft plan. Um, Jackie had mentioned there was support for the vacancy tax. M most didn't think $400 was enough. Um, I think we've seen different numbers for that. It's not meant to be, you know, this, I know penalty is the word that's used. It's not meant to be that prohibitive, but, you know, $400 doesn't seem enough to um, be levying a tax. That's something that we can certainly uh, work on and, and update in the plan. Um, a few people that identified the solidarity lockers should be added immediately, that they think that's a great idea, um, but also to incorporate some other plans, some other uh, projects that the city is currently working on into this document, just to make sure that that's um, made clear to everybody that this is something the city's already working on, um, but they want to make sure that you know we don't lose sight of other opportunities. Uh, residential and other land uses will increase traffic and parking. So how does the plan uh, propose to address that? So if we increase the amount of residential downtown, um, you know, are we increasing traffic? Are we are we going to require parking in the downtown if you're building out residential? I, I recall when we first started this project, that was something that was made very clear to us that um, if residential is going to occur, the parking for that residential unit needs to be provided. Um, that was feedback that we'd received, not just from the steering committee, but also at the public workshops. Um, so again, I think just you know, reconciling the fact that if, if residential development or if any development does occur in the downtown, that that, that could increase traffic, um, you know, if everybody's coming in through an automobile or from vehicle. Um, the plan should not recommend any changes to the current historic ordinances. Jackie went over what our, our current plan recommendations are. Um, that was probably some of the um, most consistent feedback that we received was about the historic preservation or the historic ordinance section of the plan. So certainly something we can talk about in more detail with the group. Um, and then are some of the venues like entertainment compatible with residential? That was something that we um, had heard from a couple of different people. If we're encouraging residential uses, is that going to create conflicts with the types of uses that are already downtown? Um, 
up until up until the open house, I didn't feel like we heard this a lot, but we we heard this quite a bit at the open house was the idea of closing down Mass Street. Um, we had heard before that there was this idea of maybe closing down some of the other streets for events, the side streets, so sixth, seventh, or eighth. Um, but to to completely close down Mass Street was something that had come up. That one certainly. Um, uh, or then converting Mass Street for a pedestrian mall, that that had quite a bit of a, a back and forth on the chat. I mean, some people thought that was a great idea. Some people thought that's um, not a great idea. Uh, there were some, you know, contentious arguments about what is the best role of Mass Street. So that's something that I think we could present to the group. I'm sure you saw that in, in some of the feedback that was from the open house in your packet. Um, and that it's important that all improvements are ADA compliant. Um, I mean, that's that's sort of a given that's any, any improvement in the future that happens needs to be ADA compliant. Um, but certainly just making sure that that's something we're all considering and all thinking about, especially when you start to think about some of the improvements that could happen along the river, you got a lot of grade there. So to make sure that those are ADA compliant is, is an important um, consideration. And that pedestrian and bicycle improvements would be amazing. There were a couple of comments where just people were looking for ways to get more bicycles downtown, be it through pedestrian parking or bike parking. Um, so more racks or more uh, bike amenities, um, but also just making sure that the, the bike lanes in the downtown are, are well connected. Um, you know, there's still some discussion about whether or not Mass Street should or shouldn't have a, a bike lane. Uh, it's just in our experience that with angled parking, that is not uh, a safe environment. So making sure that the peripheries, um, so New Hampshire and Vermont are able to support those types of bike lanes is important. And then creative approaches in the downtown could help address issues of store access. So, you know, a circulating transit network or making sure that transit is um, really all focused on coming into the downtown, gives people access to it. And then once they're there, they're easy to, it's easy to move around. So before going to the next steps, again, that's those are not all of the comments, and I know you have it in your packet. There's still quite a few in there, but those are the ones where I felt like we were hearing very um, consistently from more than just one source. Some of that came from the project website. Some people filled out the survey. Um, some of that's from the open house. We were receiving emails from um, the public too. So this is just us trying to compile that all into um, just a, digest a digestible couple of slides. So next steps for the project, um, we released the draft plan on April 28th um, and it became public on May 20th. So last week we held that community open house, which was virtual. Today we're obviously meeting with you, the steering committee. Um, and then next we meet with the city commission to present the draft plan. And similar to what we had just done today and how we incorporated the feedback that we received up to this point, you know, through the open house or, um, you know, through some of the surveys or, or through the emails, when we present to the city commission, um, they'll also have the packet of all the different comments that have been received, uh, as well as as we're going through the draft plan, where we've presented a recommendation that we know that there's been some questions or concerns about what that recommendation is saying. Uh, we'll make sure that that's relayed to the city commission so that they're getting the feedback from all these different groups, um, this group's included. So if there are recommendations that come out of our, and I'm sure there will be, if there are, when there are recommendations out of our conversation today, we'll make sure that the city commission is made aware of what some of those comments are. And then again, I'm just going to leave this up here um, for a couple seconds, and then I'll put these in the chat to uh, chat if anybody wants to write these links down. But if there's anybody who you know, um, not just you, but if there's anybody that you know that wants to continue to give us some feedback, they can provide feedback on the project website um, and they can also send an email directly to the city's email address. So we'll put these in the chat so you have these. So with that, I'll stop sharing my screen uh, and then we'll, we'll open it up to any questions that the committee has.
So I don't know if we want to go by a hand raise. I'm going to see if I can get to the chat. We are. Steve Clark, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah, are we doing it by hand raise? Yeah. That, would, that would be nice, either a, a visual hand raise or you okay. can raise your hand feature. Either one will work. It might take us a couple minutes because we've got a couple screens to scroll through, but we'll get Got it. it. All right. Thank you. Um, I just had one question. Um, in, in many ways, well, first of all, the most exciting part of this whole thing is this AT&T iconic revolving art piece. That was cool. Um, I. I did get the sense that the plan, and maybe this is entirely appropriate for the city, but I got the sense that the plan was mostly telling us um, just do kind of more of the things you've been doing and doing do them better. I didn't see any sort of big, big, exciting, you know, if you didn't decide to bulldoze one whole block or any sort of big moves like that. These are all kind of, it seemed like it was a very incremental plan. And I was wondering if during your planning, were there any ideas that you felt were uh, bigger that somehow kind of got tamped down along the way as planners? Was there anything that you thought uh, would have been pretty cool that didn't get incorporated for whatever reason? Um, boy, I don't know, Steve, when you say that, I'm, I'm going to, I might think on that as we go through this, I'm trying to think if there's anything out there that we heard. Um, I mean, there were, there were some buildings that we thought, uh, you know, maybe could be repurposed, but I think as we went through this, it just became clear that those would come with so many challenges or could be so cost prohibitive. It really wouldn't make sense. Um, but that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to, let me think on that as we go through this. And if I can come back to you with that, I will. Yeah. Okay. Again, I want to say, I, I think maybe it's entirely appropriate to have an incremental plan. I just was curious. Sometimes visions are, you know, big and sometimes they're incremental. So also, I wanted to respond to your question about the preservation piece, since I'm an architect on the committee. I, I st strongly want to advocate for the environs uh, requirement to go away. Um, there's a reason in 2013 that the state of Kansas Preservation uh, Act eliminated the environs requirement for the entire state of Kansas and all its communities. Uh, and I think it would be um, really helpful for developers to understand the rules of the game. And that one is very misunderstood by the public. And it's also misunderstood, I believe, by some, some people who are judging the success of it as well. Um, so I, I really want to advocate for that option that you presented. Second, um, the downtown guidelines, I want to applaud you for, for uh, putting your bit of criticism in there about those. I think it's uh, accurate and uh, I do think that there's many things that could be improved about those guidelines. Uh, again, they're sort of written, so they're kind of, in some ways, they're kind of misleading to people who read them and who aren't uh, in planning or design. Um, and so I really want to uh, advocate for, for that part to stay in the, the report as well. Um, I did have a process question. The, the, sorry for taking so much air time here. The, the, if we're being asked to approve the plan today, uh, what's the thinking about having us do that when the action matrix isn't included as part of our approval? Sure. So the action matrix, um, 
will not include anything that is not a recommendation in the plan. It would, it would, it would just be us condensing it down or synthesizing it into a specific action. Um, I mean, I think for the, for most uh, that might seem like semantics, but it's not a lot of plans that uh, recommendations are high level or um, aren't necessarily like a checklist type. Uh, so what we'll do is go through the entire document and synthesize this down into, you know, a couple pages of a, a matrix that gives clear direction to not just the city, but anybody who's tracking these types of improvements in the downtown. Um, so something that's a little bit more digestible. So basically you get 140 pages and hopefully three to four pages. Um, and it's not everything. It's just items that we know are actionable um, that should be taken. And that, that goes back to that regular update. Um, you know, as, as you're checking off, if you, some communities we've worked with in three or four years, they, they got everything done. So they have to like go back to the plan and pick out more actions. Um, some, it takes all of 20 years and they don't realize them. So it's not that we'll be adding in any additional recommendations that, that don't already exist. The reason we don't move forward with that is if you know, we're off base and we don't have the right recommendations, it, it's not worth uh, the effort to go through and make those actions. Okay, thank you. And then one more thing. Uh, uh, when I was saying that the downtown guidelines are a bit misleading uh, and so forth, and the environs rules are as well, you've got some language on page 29 that says that new buildings on Massachusetts should match existing character and i think match is something that people are going to read as being uh maybe a stronger uh, uh request than what i would see as a designer uh match seems to me to be pretty specific okay. that's a good that's a good point thank you you said that's on page 29 right 29 yeah yep thank you Okay. Continuing, Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, continuing on with steering committee questions, concerns, comments. Um, Sarah Hill Nelson is next. Kyle Kobe with planning. Sarah, I just want to cut in for a moment. Oh, uh, you're still muted right sorry. now. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, okay, so I just had a question keying off of Steve's question about process a little bit for, so I see all these comments that people have made and I think there's some substantive comments and it's like I, I, and I, I feel like I would need to see how the comments actually get incorporated into the plan before I would feel like I could endorse the plan. So, I mean, I see, you know, we've got the comments and all those things listed. You know, I have, you know, maybe 20 little minor comments throughout <coughs> the plan that I think would be important. They're probably not worthy of discussion, like as the whole group, but I feel I'm not really prepared to sign off on the plan today because it seems like, I don't know. It just is. It doesn't seem like it's actually finished. But maybe I'm not. Some could someone clarify that for me? Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. So, when the steering committee was really envisioned in the beginning, it was kept to three meetings. That is by per your resolution that established the body, and that was also a part of what was in the original scope um, for the consultant's work. Was the three steering committee meetings. <clears throat> We have had to, this is your third meeting. So with the timeline of the project and those parameters, 
what we'd be looking for tonight is a record you're making a recommendation to the city commission and that recommendation can include make these changes and then adopt the plan with these changes um you know the other option if you are not comfortable is you can make a recommendation to the city commission that you would like to have these changes made and a further further steering committee meeting yeah so like i could say because it's not just my changes i mean i think there have been i've seen lots of people i've had people in the community contact me and so then i would love to see how that impacts the plan how does it change once they receive public comment and then a final plan so so today i could say um i i don't feel you know i don't feel that i have enough information on the plan right now because i don't know what comments are going to be taken in so what would i just say i'm not going to like i would i i would make the recommendation that i can't vote on it until i see the actual final draft so amy miller assistant planning and development services director what we're looking for from you all is yes there were a lot of comments that were made some of them were very technical and small and tiny and not contentious and those are the those are the changes that we're going to go ahead and make um i think there were like two spelling errors we'll make those that's that's not an issue but the consultant has outlined some of those big items that we're hearing both sides of okay historic preservation is one of them for example <laughs> Those are the things that we're looking for the steering committee to weigh in on and say, you know, this is this this would be our recommendation as a body as a whole for you to move forward with what change what direction those changes should take. Um, so it would be by motion of the steering committee. So not necessarily just you, um, Sarah, sure. but it would be by motion of the of the steering committee and so that could either take a take a motion of a recommendation or that could take a motion of a recommendation that the consultant should make x y and z changes and that you recommend to the city commission that the revised draft come back to you for consideration yeah and i think i could make that statement except for that i wouldn't be prescriptive about the changes that were made like i would you know it need to you know there were so many changes made somebody's got to make a decision which ones are going to be incorporated and which ones aren't and then um and then i would be able to feel comfortable signing off on if i could see what would actually was the final draft so okay i i um i so, think that will then come at the end of the meeting and and I guess we'll see what everybody else has to say. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, what we're looking for is for you to give direction as a body as a whole to the consultant as to what changes you would like to see made based on the comments. Yeah, that's a lot. There are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of comments. I'm not sure I could do all that. We can do that as a team in this one hour we have left on this meeting. So um, maybe somebody else that's, maybe somebody else has a suggestion about how better to move forward. I'll, I'll, I don't want to dominate here. I'll look forward to hearing what other people have to say this to the, about this. And, that, and I'm Sarah Hill Nelson in downtown business. Sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. Okay. Um, Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Matt Beach was the one who was next. Hi, my name's Matt Beach. Um, <clears throat> I'm representing the Historic Resources Commission on this um, on this steering committee. And I wanted to, first of all, I wanted to um, commend 
the consultants on what I think is an excellent, albeit incremental plan. I, I think, um, you know, kind of representing kind of the long view of things uh, as a historian and archivist um, by training. Um, I'm kind of a fan of, of incremental um, incremental change. I'm also um, representing the historic preservation community and um, um, very, there's a lot of concern as you've seen in some of the comments about a very specific targeting of um, some of the tools that we use in historic preservation to ensure that our historic built environment uh, maintains its unique character and its uh, its architectural integrity. And um, I don't think a plan, a 20 year strategic plan is a place to uh, to litigate the very specifics of our preservation ordinance um, is in the way that this particular plan does. Um, I believe that um, the way that the plan addresses the downtown design guidelines is a, is a much more appropriate kind of high level um, set of recommendations on uh, trying to make those design guidelines perhaps a little bit more Usable and and a little bit less prescriptive is uh, or prescriptive is you know that's the way we need to approach um, the historic preservation in ordinance from uh, from my view. Um, <clears throat> the, the historic preservation ordinance is in the process of being revised. Uh, staff has been uh, working for some time to come up with re a revision to that draft or a revision to that ordinance. Um, there should be a full and transparent uh, process involving stakeholders and the public. Um, when we make changes to that ordinance. And this particular plan just does not seem like the place to call out very specific uh, pieces of that ordinance. Um, the environs um, review as uh, that has been called out, um, it's, it's certainly worthy of debate whether, uh, you know, how that is done. Um, but I, I certainly don't think that environs review, which is implied in, uh, it's implied in this on, on page 49 of this plan, uh, I do not believe that has stymied uh, downtown Lawrence reinvestment. I think that's a, that's a hyperbolic statement that, uh, that borders on uh, being false. And I would strongly encourage the removal of that statement. Uh, and I would, I would also, uh, I would strongly encourage the removal of any of the specific recommendations for changes to the, the historic preservation ordinance. And then finally, um, I think it's been mentioned in, in some of the comments that you've received. Um, there's no mention at all um, in the plan of one of the most important and most valuable of the financial incentives for downtown redevelopment. And that's the historic preservation tax credit system that we have in place both at the federal level and at the state level. Uh, it's a 45% total tax credit, 25% on the state side and 20% on the federal side uh, for <clears throat> redevelopment of uh, eligible properties and many of the facade improvements that have been um, 
that were uh, specifically noted in the plan uh, could be eligible for those tax credits. And so I would I think that including some mention of that of that very uh, very important incentive. Uh, you know, we, we got some numbers from the Historic Preservation Office over in Topeka, and it showed that uh, over the past 20 years, downtown Lawrence uh, properties have averaged three tax credit pro uh, projects annually, um, and they average about $1.5 million a year in project costs every year. So that's a significant, uh, that's a significant reinvestment in our downtown, uh, specifically through those historic preservation tax credits. So um, those are my thoughts on, um, you know, my, my mission is, is historic preservation. That's who I represent. And uh, those are my thoughts on this plan. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Brady Flannery, you're next. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, uh, Jackie and Nick, for the presentation um, and, and all the work that's gone into it and the public comments. Um, thank you for sharing those. They're nice to review. Uh, I have to agree with Sarah. I, I think um, we are premature, even though we still have an hour left of conversation tonight. Um, we're very premature in, in taking anything to the city commission. Um, I think there's still a lot that needs to be gone over and hopefully kicked back to committee. You know, if this is going to be a steering committee, here we are with the draft. Now we need to go and speak with the people um, that are downtown, the other businesses, the other property owners, and see how this really is going to affect them, get that true feedback. We were, um, aside from any of this conversation, uh, talking with a group of retailers about a different issue, and we assembled 11 different businesses. Then we started to do the math. And those 11 different businesses, some have been around five years, some have been around longer than that. But those families, the family generations that have been, were represented on that call was 450 years in downtown Lawrence. And all of those families are still down here today with the interest of being down for years to come and certainly part of a 20-year plan. If we look at the, um, you know, the vision statement or the guiding principles, reinforce downtown as an economically thriving district. Of course, we're also going to incorporate, this is Lawrence, we're also always going to incorporate and prioritize civic and cultural hearts, the ease of movement, attractive pedestrian environments, and equitable participation and involvement for all but reinforce downtown as an economically thriving district is really not much part of what's going on here. And we at least need to talk to these businesses and, um, and get their feedback and see how much can they feel supports them. You know, obviously we started pre COVID and since then we have learned a lot. Uh, many businesses feel like the draft is a little too much of a broad brush um, some feel, um, you know, very much caught in the dark. Things changed. If we were thinking about office space a few years ago, you know, there's obviously probably not much uh, conversation about that type of office space today. We need to be flexible. Uh, but more than anything, we really need uh, to get the input of the businesses and the people that we've spoken with. And Sarah alluded to it as well. I'm sure many other people on this call when we talk to our peers, uh, they're very concerned by some of the language, even though most we celebrate, we think there's opportunity here, but to, to rush this through 
especially in a time of COVID, especially with business in downtown Lawrence being in a state of crisis, would completely be tone deaf. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Edith Guffey, you're next. Thank you. Um, I'd like to uh, also say a word of thanks for what has been like a tremendous amount of work. Um, but I'd also like to say uh, a word about the uh, incremental steps and that this work was started, I don't know how long ago it was. What, how, how long has it been? Three years, two years, whatever. And quite frankly, the world has changed. And if this is incremental work and incremental steps, and we're gonna be a more inclusive and equitable downtown, I don't see anything that changes and makes us different and more equitable and more inclusive. And um, I don't see how that's gonna happen. I don't see anything that changes what we've been doing that's gonna result in us being more equitable and more inclusive. And by the way, I'm a member at large. And I would need to see that before I could sort of say, I can support this. Thank you, Edith. Uh, Pamela, you're next. Pamela, you're on mute. I knew that. Maybe. I was so busy trying to find how to raise my hand. My name is Pam Blackburn, and I'm with the LNUM representative, and I want to re agree with Matt Veach about um, illness support for the uh, envi current environs, and we don't feel that this is really the place to be discussing it or that there's really much of a need to relax them as much as what is outlined in this plan because very little has been stymied because of those environments. Basically about the only thing is the hub project recently. Uh, going along with some of the height building heights, which is always a hot topic in East Lawrence is there's not consistency in the plan or when you talk about what's appropriate building heights, we'd like to see them and especially for the Rhode Island parts, four stories on the east side of Rhode Island would be very, very tall. We'd like to see it down to two or three. There was one spot early that talked about two or three when it's next to the street. Another spot of New Hampshire, you were talking about four stories. It, those are things that are important. And I also read in a comment that Vermont Street, people on Vermont was saying, oh my God, don't put those tall buildings by us. So just the height of the adjoining streets really needs to be thought of and how it affects the neighborhoods and the people that are by that. We had a lot of comments. We spent quite a bit of time Monday night going through this. I would have a difficult time saying which are the key points off the top of my head right now. I need, would need to see an amended document 
and really think about it unless you want all of us to say these are our most important points. But it was interesting reading. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Sally Zagrai, you're next. Um, I'm Sally Zagrai, Executive Director of Downtown Lawrence, Inc. Um, it's good to see your faces, Nick and Jackie. Um, and of course, we appreciate all the work and um, we had some great conversations walking um, on the sidewalks together. And it's nice to see all of the, the more um, uh, substantive um, content that you've got here. Um, just so you know, we, uh, Downtown Lawrence Inc. did have a town hall meeting yesterday morning to go over um, really a a quick overview of the master plan to familiarize our membership and um, other downtown business owners as well. Um, Brady was there um, just to just to kind of get our everyone's toes in the water so that they could read the plan more carefully and that they can participate um, either with comments, you know, for the meeting on Tuesday night um, and just the brought into the loop. Um, the first thing I will say is that, um, as Brady has said, uh, Sarah Hill Nelson, also, um, we have David Hawley, who's listening in. He's a downtown business, uh, property owner and business owner that, um, and I said this before, and I kind of, um, <clears throat> was, was called on the carpet for saying it in our last steering committee meeting. But, um, when we talk about downtown, we, um, need to include the people that make downtown downtown and that is the business owners and the property owners it's our visitors um, we need to talk about um, the activity that occurs which at its most basic is commerce um, that's what makes it a business district and so um, we love we love the flavor we love the flair we love our historic nature we love you know, we've had important history, uh, U.S. history has occurred on this street, on Massachusetts Street and uh, the surrounding neighborhoods. But, um, you know, we could have a very attractive uh, district of empty buildings very easily, which uh, COVID has pointed out to us. Um, and we, of course, we do have more vacancies and people are, are very, very concerned always about that. So I am, and I'm certainly not advocating, um, not preserving and throwing preservation out the window. Uh, Matt Veach, who I used to work with <laughs> the historical society would, um, I'm sure throw me down the stairs of the archive <laughs> building. <laughs> if I ever said that and that right, Matt, <laughs> right out your window of your office. But I would like to see, um, as a, both as a, I mean, I run a business downtown too. I sometimes forget that about myself, but as a um, almost 20 year resident of Lawrence and as um, a business owner and as a, um, an, a community leader, I would like to see, um, I'm excited to see the revisions to the guidelines, to the historic guidelines. And I would like to see um, not, not matching, right? I, I don't, necessarily I agree with the I think it was Steve's comment Steve Clark that you know trying to match um, sometimes gets us kind of a Disneyland or 
you know, kind of a, a watered down version of uh, historic structures. Uh, I was just in Wichita on Friday. I took a little, uh, my assistant Rochelle and I took a road trip down there, went over to Delano over there in um, West on the West side of the Arkansas river. And um, that main drag there is similar in, in many respects to um, New Hampshire, Massachusetts and Vermont with one and two story buildings, a few three story buildings, but um, there's some very modern renovations there and they really look great um just right on that i don't i can't think i guess it's douglas actually it would be west douglas avenue um and uh one of the buildings actually kind of reminded me of a micro version of our library kind of the glass and the wood and the angles and it just looked fantastic i thought and I think there are ways that we can do it. We, we certainly have a lot of talented architects uh, in Lawrence and many of them are down, you know, have their businesses downtown. So I, I hope that that can, um, as the, the guidelines are being discussed, um, I, I hope there's a way to, to balance that and, and to consider good looking, <laughs> cool um, design that adds to the historic, um, because history doesn't stop in 1863, right? We're here in 2021. And um, as we know, times change. Um, another kind of broad statement is I have heard so many mischaracterizations of the plan in general, this draft, um, even that it's a draft, even that it hasn't been voted on. <laughs> um, and that, uh, listening in on the open house and seeing the comments, um, you know, just mischaracterizations of things like the facade improvement program, um, that there's going to, uh, somehow downtown Lawrence Inc was involved in it, but just basically, you know, that the, the preservation budget was going to be scrapped and it was going to somehow be given over to developers to build, in quotations, whatever the hell they want. I mean, there isn't, it, that's so, there's no fun. Um, and I cannot agree more that the historic tax credit program needs to be, we need to do a really good job of promoting that because it is an amazing program um, here in Lawrence, but across the state. And uh, the, the people who run that program are marvelous and they know what they're doing and they are, um, they're just so, it's so it's such a great program and um it really helps property owners to do the right thing um in a, in an easier way i think um and i also um i agree with edith and thank you for saying about the the equity and the inclusivity and and i'll admit i'm um i'm not um an expert on how these plans are done and um your planners, your urban planners, you're not um, social justice um, organization experts, you know, and so I know it's hard to kind of incorporate everything and to ex what, what should our expectations be for the plan. But um, absolutely, I, especially given the last um, year, year and a half that um, the mention, the comments of, you know, encouraging and fostering more women-owned, more minority-owned businesses. Um, you know, a lot of the, obviously the federal funding that's coming out and the grant programs are giving um, 
some priority to those businesses, which I think is great. And uh, maybe it, we maybe the plan could refer. I'm trying to. I, I realize I'm talking, and I'm not necessarily giving you the direction you you might be hoping for. You know, or or any ideas, but. Um, you know, what are some ways that we can, we can start that process and that we can encourage it. And, and it, especially in light of ARPA and we're getting, you know, tens of millions of dollars will be flowing into this city. And um, if, if there is some advice or um, kind of some standards as to how we can use those funds um, to, to kickstart um, you know, programs, whether it's property owners, business owners, all of the above, and making sure that um, I think our community will come together in, in a lot of cool ways, you know, whether it's with public art, um, as just like a small example, or um, we're, you know, other larger issues, but um, to, to work on equity. But um, if there are some kind of concrete suggestions that could be included would be marvelous. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Sally. Um, I don't have anybody else. Oh, one more person just raised their hand. Uh, Meredith Morris first and then Steve, I'll get to you. Hi, Meredith Moore. Uh, I own Wonderfair downtown, but I'm actually on this committee as a member at large. So I'd like to speak on behalf of another stakeholder group that's not represented by the committee, which is downtown workers. There, I would echo comments by a lot of us here that we probably require a work session to discuss some of the comments that have come in in the last week and make sure that those considerations are made in our final referral. So I echo that, um, that Sarah Hill Nelson made and others. Um, but speaking to what Sally just mentioned and also what Edith has said before, when we're talking about building equity downtown as well as building onto buildings and parking garages, I really hope in our final draft, we can consider places where these improvements haven't considered workers, like with downtown parking improvements. It feels like we really need to consider how downtown workers have access to affordable, safe parking. Uh, that'll be a part of the parking garage discussion. The parking garages are also a free third space that people all across the community should benefit from. So how can we really activate those parking garages, make them attractive, safe, maybe have upper deck communal gathering areas where people can eat outside of a restaurant? That feels like a big opportunity we could discuss putting in the final draft. Um, and let's see what else. Also, um, to Sally's question, what uh, specific ideas have been given to this group that would promote equity downtown. I saw in the plan and the visioning statement ideas for having incubator space supported by the city where minority owned businesses could have a much lower overhead to start business ideas downtown. I love that plan. Um, earmarked spaces for that might be the LJ World Building or others. And we wanna give our emphatic support to that. And uh, also to consider what's not yet in the plan as a funding structure uh, the west half of Massachusetts Street is designated as an opportunity zone. Only a few years remain to take advantage of investments in opportunity zones using the national campaign that is basically a tax shelter for investors. Um, I'd love to see the city put together a plan where we civically invest with those tax abatements in creating opportunity zone spaces that are not for outside development groups, but for community run 
incubator projects like that proposed to promote minority-owned businesses. Uh, I have further comments, but we have so little time. I'd rather save them for a work session if that was possible. Thank you so much for your time. This was so much material to go through. We really appreciate everyone's work. Thank you. Steve Clark. Steve Clark, architect with an office downtown. Um, I want to echo real quickly Brady's comment. I, I felt like the economic part of the plan could be beefed up and maybe the strategy he's talking about is the way to do that. But I felt like uh, it's it's a great goal to state that, but you know, we all know given market conditions and uh, our, the way that we run our, the way we run our, our markets that uh, that's not hard to make happen uh, as, a, as a city necessarily. Um, so I, I would be curious as to how we would tackle that uh, in more detail. Second, I wanna echo Sally and Edith in the inclusion and Meredith in the inclusion of equity. Um, it is a different world now, Edith's right. I think that that would be something I would love to see in the report. And last, uh, for Matt and for Pamela, who spoke about the preservation thing, I'm, 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 I'm curious as to necessarily why that would be an offline discussion. It seems like there's many topics here, like homelessness that people care about. There's neighborhood issues people care about, traffic. You know, everybody has these high concerns and preservation absolutely is one of them that's of a high value in our community. I, I do think that that conversation should occur out in the open in a public setting and in a plan like this. Uh, and I, I echo Sarah's comment because I think for us, Pamela and Matt and everybody to talk about those topics that we don't necessarily always see eye to eye on, it would take some time in a room to, to really do that well and give it the discussion that it that it deserves. And I would welcome that with, uh, for example, on the preservation thing to hear your thoughts in much more detail than we've been able to today. Thanks. I'm not seeing anybody else that has raised their hand that's a member of the steering committee. Anyone else? Sarah, are you raising your hand? Yes, I am. And I'm trying to craft a motion in the comments in the chat box that I'm just going to just throw this motion out there and then maybe everybody could comment, you know, or help me improve upon it. Um, and I'm just going to like just I'm going to hit I'm going to I'm going to add it um, here. This is what I had so far that we would make a motion. And again, my name is Sarah Hill Nelson. I'm with the Bowersock Mills and Power Company, downtown business. Um, making a motion that our message to the city commission be that the steering committee cannot endorse the plan at this point because we do not perceive it is finished at this time. You know, we can craft better language here. We ask that the city commission direct the consultants or do it ourselves if it would add, you know, too much cost to solicit additional feedback from community members and say, you know, here are the issues that we, you know, the steering committee has seen that, you know, these items need additional discussion, solicit feedback, 
and hold maybe through subcommittee, you could divide it into sections somehow so it wouldn't drag out ad nauseum, but try to recraft the plan a bit to reflect the comments that we've gotten to date. And then someone else can, you know, please chime in everyone to help improve what I've just said. If you guys feel that I'm in the right, headed in the right direction there. I mean, do we have a voting function on here? Maybe we could have the city commit, everybody could vote like at this stage of the game, how many people feel they could endorse it as is and how many people feel that it needs some additional crafting. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, because of our current meeting procedures, um, any type of voting action would need to happen by roll call vote. Um, you can take a verbal informal um, poll if you will, but I would rather not do anything else that's called a vote. Um, yeah, and I, I guess before we do a roll call, I mean, are there specific aspects of the, I've, we've heard some ideas, but a part of what we were hoping to accomplish here was get some feedback on comments that have been received. And I can appreciate that it was a lot of comments to review, but are there any in particular where you're like, if the plan were to address this, we would like it to address it in this way? Feel free to speak. Sally, you start. Sally Zagrai, Executive Director, Downtown Lawrencing. Nick, I would say, so when I, like, I realized I kind of, digressed. I got into the broader issues, but, you know, I heard, um, I saw the comments, heard the comments, um, and we heard yesterday a few comments at our own meeting that, you know, about the post office. Um, can you make it clear that it doesn't mean the post office has to go away? It just might mean that the sorting and distribution goes to the 31st street location. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that's definitely something we can add. And I, the intent isn't either that the city's going to redevelop that site tomorrow. And right. It's not even going to be the city. Um, so that's clearly not clear. So we'll... I personally vote for row houses on, on Kentucky though. You know, I love a row house. Anyway. Um, the other thing is the, um, about the replay again, making it clear as you did in your comments on Thursday night that you, nobody's advocating getting rid of the business or the building. It's that it, if it were the case that that business wasn't there or that space became available, um, or maybe you just say, you know, locations like at the Northeast corner of 10th and mass that are a single story that could then be, you know, a story could be added on or could be redeveloped in that way. I, I also, um, and maybe I missed this cause I did, I've looked at it. Um, but I was also getting ready for my other meeting, which had a whole nother, um, it had a whole nother big topic that's on Tuesday's, um, agenda. Um, is the, um, when we talk about density downtown and the infill, um, I think it's important to 
make a couple of statements as to why that is important. And it's sort of like the gold standard. I believe somebody made the comment, well, who said we wanted a dense downtown? Um, and if we can explain that when you have a dense downtown that's got lots of people living, working, playing, visiting, that is what keeps our economy going. It's essential. Um, we, we don't want a downtown that doesn't have a 24 hour cycle. We wanna, we wanna be boosting that. But you know, in some plain language as to, you know, why, why that is a, a very commonly recognized um, strategy, economic and um, otherwise. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, to and maybe to clarify that, there are times where nobody ever says very, very rarely does anybody say they want to see density and then they go about describing all of the things that would require density mm -hmm. to occur. Um, and I, and I understand that density can be a bad word in many communities. Um, but the reality is the things that people end up talking about, you know, we'd like to see less uh, vehicular traffic downtown, or we'd like to see more of these types of uses, or we wish this was more pedestrian friendly. And it's not to say that those things can't occur without more density. It just becomes increasingly more difficult and cost prohibitive. doesn't mean it's not possible. Um, it just means that there has to be other mechanisms in place to make it more affordable or, or realized, but okay. That's a good, those are good comments. And I'm seeing some chats in here where you had mentioned to just going back to the HRC and also some of the historic, um, legislations, those are legislation. That's something that we can address. Um, Edith got the member at large and, and I, I want to refine what I said earlier. I'm not sure it's the master plan's responsibility to say what the strategies are um, that will make downtown more inclusive. But I, neither do I think we can put a master plan, adopt a master plan that doesn't indicate we have in given serious consideration to that being part of the big picture to being a more inclusive community, a more inclusive downtown, being part of the master plan, that we've not given serious consideration to that being part of our plan. And I don't see, other than a few words, that that's been an integral part of our plan. And that's what I'm looking for, that we have given, that that's part of the prism that we've looked through. You see, you see what I'm saying? I'm not asking for detailed strategies, but I don't see that that's been part of the prism that we've looked through. Okay. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying, or at least I understand the sentiment about shooting that through a prism or a filter. Yeah, yeah. That, le that lens. That yeah. lens, yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's many of these pro... In, in many ways, this plan is is really addressing these issues in a way that we don't typically address in a downtown plan. I think we've we've really waded out into some very complicating um, social issues, and and then talking with representatives in the downtown. I mean, there's some things that we we have been instructed. Let's not get into this because there are so many other programs and, and systems in place that are addressing these, but we're trying to touch on them because we want to recognize the fact that there are several agencies downtown or organizations downtown that are doing this type of work. 
Um, we're not telling them how to do their work, but we need to make sure we're doing a good enough job recognizing that this work is being done. I, I don't know if I'm saying that in the right way, but I mean, sincerely, there's a lot of stuff being done downtown, even stuff that we've been made aware of in the last few weeks um, that the plan should talk to, but we don't want to say how they should be operating or what their missions are. Just want to make sure that everyone is aware that these, these systems are being put in place and we're trying to address issues as we can as a city. So Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, I want to back up just a touch to, to Sarah's um, uh, attempt at a motion. Um, and I think that it can even be a little bit more simple than that. And I think that you could make a motion, if you so desire, to recommend to the City Commission that you hold a work session um, to work through the comments that have been submitted and give direction to the consultant. Um, and I think that, that that is something that you could do at this point. You, you, because the resolution was very specific that there were only three meetings, you can only make that recommendation to the city commission and then the city commission would have to say, okay, yes. Um, but um, I think that you could, you could make that recommendation and I think it could be as simple as that at this point. Um, but we've got a couple other people that have raised their hand and I wanna make sure that we're getting to them. Um, I've got Meredith Moore next. Um, I had actually raised my hand when we were soliciting feedback from Sarah's suggestion. Uh, and I agree that a work session I think will be really helpful. Um, and uh, I think I can share more comments in a work session. Sorry, um, uh, Steve Clark is next. <laughs> Steve Clark. Architect downtown Lawrence. I, I would like to maybe, uh, I think your simplification, uh, Amy, of Sarah's motion was good. I, I do have a perspective that tells me uh, that Nick and Jackie and their folks have done a lot of input gathering. They're, they've done a lot of community uh, research. They've, they've used it in a multimodal way. They've gotten it in a bunch of different ways. Um, also, when, 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 our firm is doing these kinds of projects. We have uh, stakeholders and we have input givers and we get all that information, but, but we at least always rely on the steering committee to give us the actual direction. And I think it has been hard for, for us to do that in three, three meetings if you really want us to give you direction. And in particular on the items that you said, I mean, we have addressed a number of your questions relative to the historic piece and we talked about some of those things. And, but I, but I do think if we're going to give direction, you know, it's easy for me to get behind the, the permanent location from the farmer's market. I don't think you need my input on that, right? What you, what you need our input on as a group is on those seven or so items that you listed. And then I would add the equity on top of that from, from Edith. And that's, that's going to take some time. And I think it's actually the work that this group ought to do. I don't think having subcommittees and that sort of thing is, is really necessary. I believe we could actually uh, do a work session and get through all of it all. And I, I would simplify the, the motion to just that as a request. Thanks. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Do we do have a request from the member of the public to speak? 
Um, and that would be up to the steering committee as to whether you would entertain that. Okay, David Holly, go ahead. Sorry guys, I have kids that just finished up school today, so they might be screaming in the background. Um, I just kind of feel like, it, again, with the stuff that's been outlined and planned, it's not that I'm, you know, really tremendously for or against any of it, but I, I feel that there's so many members of the community and businesses that I think that a lot of them haven't really had enough time to pay attention to these things. A lot of people have been trying to keep just these parklets for like the next year. And I just think that if there was another opportunity for a work session and we can get some other members of not just restaurants or retail, but other people to come to the table just before this thing goes off, it would be, it would be beneficial. I'd like to see more people get involved and talk through this and understand what's going on before, you know, before this goes in front of the commission. Okay, Brady, Flannery. Thank you, David. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Brady Flannery, downtown business um, property owner. You know, I, I think I, I agree with David and I celebrate all those thoughts. Um, I wonder if it would almost be worth everyone's time to try to um, schedule a very organized session with downtown businesses. And maybe that's just downtown businesses present um, letters, form little coalitions, what's important to them. I mean, I Really don't know the answer to that, but um, as I mentioned in the chat box, we've mentioned if we've learned anything in this last year, it's when we communicate and when we seek partnerships, that's when we find success and that's when we come through the other side together. So um, I think just in learning from what threw everybody off on this, people felt blindsided and people, um, you know, it's important to also see potential businesses. What is deterring people from coming down here? Why aren't bankers and realtors able to attract clients to downtown Lawrence? The steering committee should hear these things. Um, and so that would be my suggestion that we have almost a listening session for us, but with uh, stakeholders from, from these specific economic uh, development and um, that would reinforce downtown as an economically thriving district, there are still some voices and opinions that we need to hear uh, to really make this a, an outstanding um, use of the city's time and, and money. Meredith Moore. Uh, a procedural question. Um, would it be possible to please have um, maybe Nick and Jackie or the city. I've heard that there are seven main questions that uh, were believed to have been left open-ended after receiving community comment that the hope was that the steering committee could respond to those questions, clear them up. Um, I'm not, I might've missed it, but could we have clarified the seven main questions that need to be addressed by the steering committee? 
Is that somewhere I can find in the packet? I'm not sorry, Amy. I'm not sure I, what seven questions she may be referring to, or if I said something misleading in the presentation, let me know. But I, I don't, I don't think there were like just seven that we were looking for clarification. There are a couple where we could use your clarification. I could go back to what was in the, in the slide. Um, we've covered a couple of them, you know, the post office, I think providing additional clarification that we're not recommending that the city rebuild the post office. There's a lot of different factors, but if that area was to redevelop, um, you know, this is the type of uses or these are the types of uses that would be appropriate. That was something we were looking for clarification on. Um, there was also the matter of the one-story buildings in the downtown, as well as, and or more specifically, the replay was the one that came up the most during the open house and then even in follow-up comments. And I think the replay maybe got singled out in a way that we didn't mean for the replay to get singled out. And then even the way Sally had sort of summarized I think the better way to handle that discussion is if a one-story building, um, you know, isn't contributing to the overall downtown street wall or something like that, and in the future had an opportunity to redevelop, it could look more like this, but not that we're encouraging it to be redeveloped. And maybe even that's too aggressive. That might be perceived as someone wants to swoop in and redevelop that site because they think it's a um, like a soft opportunity. So I, I just think walking back a couple of those types of recommendations makes a lot of sense. And that feedback was helpful. I would say at least 10 people during the open house had called out the, the replay specifically as a, a, a use that is just a, a very significant use to the downtown. I would hate to see it, you know, go away. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I think um, Meredith may have been counting a little closer than the consultants or I were, but um, they did mention some and call out some of the items that they had seen a lot of comment on that there was also conflicting comment on. Um, and I think that's where Meredith is getting the seven from. I didn't count while Nick was going through his presentation, um, but I think that, that um, you know, those last two slides that were in Nick's presentation, um, which he could put up again, um, but I do think we've gotten some clarification on some of them. Um, so. Yeah, another, well, so another one was the historic um, ordinance section. And, I, and again, I even think even in this discussion, we're not all consistent on what's the best way to handle that section. Should it be saying less. Um, I think some like it. I mean, that this is where you're at a challenge when you draft a plan and you take everybody's input and you try to incorporate it into plans recommendations are, you know, some people agree with it and some do not. So from the steering committee's perspective, you know, what parts of that historic preservation section should we be not incorporating? Um, or is it, is it saying what it needs to say? That was a, another component of this. Um, the concept of closing down Mass Street and converting it to a pedestrian mall came up a few times during the open house, and I've received probably four or five emails on it. Um, I do not recommend that, and I, I feel like every place you point to one, I could point to 20 where it's either been converted back or caused serious damage to a downtown. But there are good examples of pedestrian malls, but they have a lot of other factors that I, I don't think are relevant to Lawrence. Would love to hear the steering committee's opinion on the idea of closing down mastery. In fact, I believe we talked about it in the first meeting, but just if that's an idea that people want to talk about, 
Um, that's something we could talk about. Sally's raising her hand, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Sally Zagra, Executive Director, Downtown Lawrence. Um, I'll take the bait. <laughs> Rather than, um, I, well, I was talking with David Hawley two nights ago. He, he, For anybody who doesn't know, David and his wife, Nora, own Papa Kino's Pizza, which is a wonderful Lawrence, uh, Downtown Lawrence institution. And... Um, you know, we were just chatting as I was leaving the office and talking about, um, you know, closing mass and the, um, the idea. So when we've, so when we've had street closures that aren't necessarily for large scale events, like the St. Patrick's day parade, like the old fashioned Christmas parade, um, Case in point, we had a street closure for the um, final four back in 2017. Now I don't know what year it was, but that was the new um, police safety plan. And we only got a few days notice. We, I think we literally got two days notice that that was happening. So we didn't have enough time to plan something to take advantage of that closure. And it was on a Saturday in the spring, which is brutal for, uh, to close the main, the main street, as you can imagine. Um, but people did, some people did, did come down and they rode their bikes in the street and they rollerbladed in the street and, you know, they had their sidewalk chalk and doing things like that. And so when there are opportunities to do things like that, um, people, or when it's kind of quiet, like, uh, March and April last year downtown when we had to stay at home and people, you know, there were hardly any cars on the street. So you felt like you could walk in the street. There's something about it. And maybe you all, since you work in all these communities, I don't know what the, the excitement and the char, the charm of like being able to stand in the street and drink a beer is, or to, you know, roller skate or something. And then they want to bring in the food trucks, Right but we have 52 restaurants downtown. So bringing in food trucks is actually detrimental to our, our downtown businesses, right? So there's something about it though, that people start saying, once the parklets start going in, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. Um, if there is a way to kind of redirect that and what David and I were talking about is more of the, um, and I think I mentioned it in the open house, chat that if there was, was a way that we would have some infrastructure that would make closing the street or part of a block, not necessarily all of Mass Street, but you know, you could close a smaller section for something that warranted a street closure. We could use it as, as an example, like the May final Fridays, which is, would be this Friday. Normally that would be the kickoff of the outdoor sculpture exhibit of our city uh, public art for the year. Um, in September, um, we just got a grant. We just found out we got a Kansas, um, Kim, what is it? The Kansas artistic, oh God. Kansas a Creative Arts, Arts Industry, Industry Commission. Commission grant reimagined spaces and we're going to be um having storefront art so we're we're working on a, a program and when i say we it's downtown lawrence it's explore lawrence it's the arts center it's the arts commission 
Um, there, there's a group of us who have been working on this grant. Um, the city, Porter wrote the grant, thank you, Porter, um, to, to have vacant spaces, to activate those spaces with art installations but it, and not necessarily just 2d or 3d art but it could you know we might we're gonna probably ask danny kane from the from the raven to do you know his um live poetry um uh thing that he does you know writes a poem a la minute on the typewriter on a classic you know standard typewriter and things like that and that's going to be kicking off in september so you could think okay wouldn't it be cool if you had say in the 800 block of mass, um, you had six or seven different spots that really had some great final Fridays, things going on. And then you, you could close a gate or you could pull up a, like bollards or a gate that was already installed and, and have an easier process than it is now to close the street, you know, administratively. And then it could be closed for a couple hours, you know, while those things are going on. And then you just open it back up. Because right now it's like, it's a huge, you know, it's a, it's a, a big process to do that. And um, I think that we might find that there are all kinds of ways that we could, you know, same that could apply to the side streets as well, which are, you know, a little bit, um, those are usually easier um, on everybody to close a side street, but that kind of a thing where, um, where we don't necessarily want uh, want pedestrian traffic i mean there's other issues as i'm now i'm preaching to the choir with you all but you know we have a lot of second story businesses and we have ada requirements that would not be met and where do people park and you know if they're handicapped and all that kind of thing so um but to think about it as not as a full street closure but ways to use the street in those fashions more quickly and easily yeah so we and and Thank you for that, Sally. We we sure. do provide recommendations in the plan about yeah. um, temporary closures of the streets, encouraging that. Uh, and I know, I know that some some things that some groups are are excited about. There are some who do not like any of the streets being closed. So I, mm-hmm. that's a balance where I think we even talked about it's important working with downtown Orange Inc. to make sure that there's an educational process that's built into the closures of these streets because there's just the frustration that people feel like this is taking away from their business or it's disruptive right. to their operations. Um, but I think that's different than a permanent closure to any street in the downtown to making it a pedestrian mall. Mm-hmm. So folks, Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I wanna be respectful of everybody's time. We have published the meeting as being from four to 6 p.m. and we are rapidly closing in on that 6 p.m. If you wanted to go a little bit longer, I think that that is okay. But I, like I said, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, I will also point you all to the chat. Um, Steve Clark has has proposed a, a little bit more concise um, motion that could be possible if somebody wanted to look to that um, and if that was agreeable. Um, I think Edith Guffey wanted to say something. I put it in the chat. Okay, thanks, Edith. And Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, I have also been transcribing the chat. Um, I've got that in the Word document, and we will use that in comments going forward. Um, So just so you know. It's actually Sarah's motion. I just added the steering committee to the language 
So, so it looks like this Matt Beach um, Historic Resources Commission. So it looks like we have a motion and a second on the floor. And is that correct, Amy? Uh, is Mayor Merritt is seconded in the chat? I we need a more formal verbal motion that's concise. We can't do that in the chat. All right. Well, Steve, so Steve, can you just read your motion? Uh, sure. Um, I'd like Please. to make a motion uh, that um, to recommend in the city commission that um, the steering committee open the comment period for an additional three weeks. And following that, have the steering committee hold a work session to work through the additional comments and recommendations that have been made uh, to make suggest suggested revisions. Meredith, you're going to second. I second the motion. Give me one minute. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take a roll call vote. Brady Flannery. Hold on a second. Sarah Sorry. Um, added to the language um, that the city that the city of Lawrence publicized the extension of the comment period, which I agree with. So is, is that an amendment to the motion? Correct. Is there a second on the amendment? Second. Alton Paley. And Brady Flannery, aye. Thank you, Brady. Matt Beach, aye. Oh, hang on. Clint? Aye. Dalton? Aye. Edith? Aye. Emily? Aye. Meredith? Aye. Kimberly? Aye. Sally? Aye. Sarah? Aye. Steve? Aye. Steve Kelly? Aye. And Pam Blackburn? Aye. Motion carries. Thirteen to zero. Okay. Amy, this is Brady. May I ask a question? Yes. So Sally dropped into the chat box. Um, basically, is it possible to to make it public that this will still be more focused, um, and we still need to determine exactly how to do that? Um, but I don't know whether that's a message we get across to the commissioners or um, how we go about that. Because public comments will obviously still remain open, but this um, focus group uh, or committee, you know, will really wants to d dive into some of this stuff on our own, and we might seek counsel from other stakeholders. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I'm not sure I'm understanding the question. Um, could Sally expand a little bit on what she put in the chat box? We really need to be having these conversations in the verbal forum. 
Sally Zagrai, uh, Downtown Lawrence Inc. So um, what I was wondering is because we are trying to, we want to open it up for three more weeks to get more feedback. Um, some of the initial, I don't know if this is, if we can do it, but I was just trying to kind of be more efficient and rather than um, just saying it's open comment, you know, um, there are things that have this steering committee, which is, which we have been um, enjoying to, to do have already kind of narrowed down some of these issues and, and spoken about them and clarified some of them. So would, would we, is there a way to make it a more directed um, subject for comment, for public comment? So, so, does, so. I say, can I respond or are you going to take that, Amy? Um, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I would say the nature of receiving public feedback is that you will not get to control the feedback that you receive. So it's, it's just it's part of taking public comment. And, and what you'll find is even if you were to ask people to provide comment on the draft plan in a specific way, it'll just be whatever someone feels is important to state as it relates to the downtown. So the group if charged to do this would need to move through these comments, I think in a more holistic way. Okay. Otherwise it would fall on a group member to determine which ones are appropriate. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like someone would have to determine, is this an appropriate topic for the group to be? And I think that kind of goes against what you're trying to do here. Sorry, Steve. I would, I think Nick, uh, you all have done this a lot. And I think that um, Sarah's idea in the chat that um, I, it, it, we can leave the comment period open and have it be open-ended and, and see what else we get. But I really think that it's the work of the steering committee that needs to be done here. And I like her suggestion that you, you all, you all basically brought to us these seven topics that I noted in the chat, and there may be one or two more that you want direction on specifically, but if you could, you know, obviously facilitate that and organize our special topics and maybe anybody on this committee that thinks that there's something that's uh, needs to be really worked through because it's uh, controversial or whatever, um, can, can add, you can send those to you, but I think you all could, I, I agree with her. I think you could make the list. And then if Brady wants to go out and, and talk to more people himself. And as part of this committee, gather information so we know that he's being representative. I think that that could also happen too. And that seems to be a pretty pretty good way to do it. I'd suggest that. Um, I would recommend not revising the draft plan at this point because it creates multiple versions of a document that, that will just automatically create confusion. Um, one of the things that, and I we need to discuss this with the city, but one thing I would suggest would be to pile a matrix of all of these comments. And then I would do one of two things. I would, with those comments, identify where we, we need clarity or a decision from um, the steering committee or, and, and even in today in some of our discussions or what we heard during the open house, there are, there are some of these topics that are addressed in the downtown plan. And I think just pointing people to, you know, page 42, where we talk about this or page 62, where we talk about that, um, it would be helpful to know, is this addressing this issue in the right way? Uh, so we're not redrafting or rewriting text that exists maybe just in a different section. Um, so that's something that, you know, if, if 
if that's what the steering committee feels like they may need. And if this is how we're going to move forward, uh, we can work with the city to, to pull that together. We, we've had a few members that have already had to leave. So I want to quickly get to Sarah and then Brady. Um, okay. So I think that um, it would, I, I want to ask Nick, this idea, like, I want to make sure that we aren't inundated with a bunch of comments that are no longer relevant, like about the post office, you know, if you could just put people's concerns at rest and whether you could do it on a, tr on a track changes, like so many times we have multiple drafts and we could just make it really clear that this is the draft from this date. And if you're going to make comments, please make comments on these drafts. Cause there's certain things like, for example, on the access to the river immediately upstream of the dam, like not going to happen. Like Federal Energy Regulatory Commission won't allow it. So it's not even a question. It's not even up for public comment, you know, so things like that, that that are, again, no brainer comments, just because I think it would really help us clean up our comments and discussions if somehow we could have a, a, a cleaner final cut that the that the community could comment on. Yeah, and so my again, my recommendation would be not to do that in the draft, but to do that in a like a compiled matrix that would make it easier to say this is what the current plan says or where it says it. This is the recommendation, and this is how we would recommend um, either revising this or where we need your feedback. I'll give you an example. The post office isn't. We, we haven't agreed on it. I've told you what I what we recommend. Um, there are still some people who don't even think the post office should be a part of this discussion. So some would say we did not resolve that issue. We need to know from the steering committee is the resolution that we provide additional feedback or provide additional information inside of that write up about the post office isn't really being recommended to be removed tomorrow or immediately. It's if it were to uh, scale down to a smaller size, it's the type of development that would be appropriate. Um, that's one solution. There could be another that this group determines might be, we, we don't even want the post office to be a catalyst site. So we need that kind of feedback. So I don't think going through and revising the draft plan helps us get closer to that. I think it will just create more confusion and you're going to ask people to read a very long document to find the changes, even with track changes. Um, but I agree we could, we could take the 150 comments we received and get it down to, of the 150, these are the ones that we think this is what should be done. Um, with these 50 or 60, we need some additional guidance from the steering committee. And Sarah, Amy Miller, Assistant Director of Planning and Development Services, we did something very similar with the comprehensive plan update a few years ago, um, this type of matrix, and it actually worked out really well. And they also had a steering committee and it made it easy for the steering committee to work down the list. And so I, I think that we're gonna address your issues in that fashion um, with what Nick is talking about. And I think that at that work session, what we're gonna bring you is, these are the things you really need to discuss. Right, right. These okay. are the things that we can shove to the side. Yeah. That, that seems reasonable to me. That okay. seems like a, a reasonable course of action, and I understand the rationale for doing that. So, yeah. okay. thank you. Brady. Thank you, Brady Flannery, Downtown Business. Real quick, I just want to celebrate and highlight how close I think we are and we can get in these three weeks. Um, the downtown street closure, you know, there's much opposition uh, through all the different types of industries downtown. However, I think we can focus on another problem we all have in a potential solution. We've all learned through the age of curbside pickup and, and whatnot 
that we have good access to most businesses downtown through the alleyways, through the side streets, through these other opportunities. What's the downside with the alleyways? They're, you know, downtrodden, they're filled with oil, they're poorly lit, alleyways are in disrepair and need help in order to be uh, friendly for uh, our customers, our community, our employees. And you've already identified that as um, as, as something. So maybe we could just move that up in the priority list. So thank you for allowing us to uh, take this to more of the downtown business community. At the very least, it'll, it'll improve our um, communication and cooperation. Thanks, Bernie. Amy Miller, Assistant Director of Planning. If there are no other comments, then I would entertain a motion to adjourn. And um, I see a, a motion by Steve Clark. Okay. I don't Maybe know. I hope, oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I hope that when you, when you convey this to the city commission that it's, um, that it's in the light that we we want to be as helpful as possible as a committee, and we want to actually work through these tough issues. And I think we can easily do, take votes on them when we get together for the work session, and that uh, that we're not trying to belabor it, uh, you know, and, and not drag it out or any of that sort of thing. But but I think for the items that are identified by Nick and Jackie, I think we can really be 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 helpful. And I'd make a motion to adjourn. I second it. Thank you. Um, I will take roll, unfortunately. One more roll call vote for us. Um, Brady. Aye. Clint. Aye. Dalton. Aye. Emily. Aye. Matt. Aye. Meredith? Aye. Kimberly? Aye. Sally? Aye. Sarah? Aye. Steve Clark? Aye. Steve Kelly? Aye. And Pam Blackburn? Aye. Thank you all very much. I will be in touch. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for your work.